You're listening to 50 Plus a Tip, the show for strippers, ethical sluts, and other open-minded whores. Hi, lovelies. Welcome back to 50 Plus a Tip. I'm your host, Danica. And I'm Riley, and we have just finished the shift. It is 5.30 (laughs) a.m. Kill me. No, my (laughs) voice is extra fucking raspy and deep right now from hours of making hilarious jokes and small talk. We're fucking tired, but we figured let's just, you know, burn the midnight oil. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I was going to go home and have a nap and then we realized that we have recording in a couple hours and we're like, you know what? Power the fuck through it. (laughs) (laughs) So bear with us. It might be a rough one today. Uh, first things first, I've been debating this for a while now. Oh, there we go. There's my, uh, my alarm to go the fuck to bed. Uh, (laughs) So I've been debating this for a while now about what to address the listeners as. Um, Scam Goddess, which I love, they're called the Congregation, because like cons. Yeah. Cons. Hilarious. And I don't really like the term, hey guys, because people get offended by the term guys, yeah, it's um, not it's not inclusive. Yeah, lovelies. I, I've been using a lot, but like, you know, lovelies is um, you know friends. Hey, Hi, friends. Friends. <laughs> friends sounds like you know like the Mister Ro- Rogers neighborhood. Um, so if you guys have suggestions for like fun um, fifty plus a tip specialized names, tippers. Ooh, but then tippers is like the clientele side. Tip us. Uh, yeah tippers might be it but yeah throw us some we'll we'll wade through them and and pick one that's been on my mind lately um yeah i was looking up and there's some alternatives to hey guys hey team hey crew hey all hey folks hey people hey peeps hey y'all hey everybody hey pals hey friends hey friends i don't like hey friends no um, but it's not, friends is not happening. You look very excited about it. Um, but yeah, throw us a DM or email and tell us a suggestion yeah. you guys have that's, something that would be unique to 50 plus a tip would be awesome. Yeah. Um, what makes you guys feel like we're addressing you? Or undressing you. Or undressing <laughs> you. <laughs> it's been a long night. Hey hoes. Hey whores. Hey whores. But then people are like, I'm not a whore. Like, all the squares listen. They're like, yeah. I know. You gotta be, you, <laughs> Ew, get out of here, squares. No, we do like the allies. Like, yeah. we got to include all y'all. Yeah. Um, ooh, freaks and geeks. Ooh. Ladies, ladies, and gentlemen. What did you say? Ladies, ladies. Oh, ladies. And gentlemen. That's fun. Right. We'll, we'll toss around some, yeah, yeah. a few. Uh, any work updates for me this week? I... Actually, took. I mean, we both really took some time off, which was exciting. I worked uh, probably 10% of what I usually do, and everything was pretty easy. Like, I had a really good night at the club. I probably spoke to, like, five people in total, and I was busy the entire night. Um, But, yeah, I just – I think I'm just getting burnt out. Me and you have talked about this a lot. God, yeah. The motivation to get to work is getting ultra difficult and not difficult as in like I am lazy and I can't be bothered because there's more fun things to do, but motivation is difficult as in I cannot like feasibly 
tolerate people at the moment. So I think we posted this on the Instagram story a couple days ago, but please, if you have any recommendations, I know we're supposed to do this, but if you have any recommendations of things to get you motivated when you really don't feel like going to work or to help with burnout, please let us know because I think we are both going through that end of year crash and it's coming up to the busy season. So we want to get back on board. 100%. Um, what about you? How's work been for you? Yeah, uh, work's been good. I have just been, you know, staying pretty low key actually, to be honest. Like I took the last week off, which was wild to me. Like I've, as long as you've known me, I've never taken a week off. Like that's insane unless it's like post-surgery. Um, but yeah, I took a week off, spent a lot of time with family, which was really nice. Watched a lot of horror movies because it's now October. It's now October, and all I do is watch horror movies. And I, all I do is watch horror movies my entire life, but especially in October. So I spent last week just watching horror movies and playing Family Feud and and just chilling, which is which was really nice and, and needed. Um, yeah, as we said, you know we're burning out a bit here, so uh, yeah, we're looking forward to you guys kind of. Filling us in on what you guys do when you're, or you people, you friends, do um, when you're when you're feeling that burnout. So we're gonna talk about that that next episode because, yeah, it's uh, it's alive and well right now in our in our lives of just uh, feeling the exhaustion creeping in. For me, it's not like fully there. Like I'm not fully burnt out, but it's mm-hmm. like I feel it on the cusp. You know, it's yeah, it's the like the dread of going to work has like crept in, in a magnitude. And I think that's also, it says something about the weather as well. Like it gets really rainy. I feel like it turned really fast too. Like it was like summer, 30 degrees, 40 degrees. And all of a sudden it's like, and rain. (laughs) And you're like, for sure. And then it's getting, it's getting dark so early now that it's like by five o'clock, you're like, Ooh, it's time for a nightcap. Yeah. Time for a tea and a horror movie. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. Um, so something that's been on my mind, and, and I saw this on a, 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 some, like, Instagram posts and stuff lately, it, and this is, like, you know, typical of, like, Kylie Jenner style, is, like, lying about plastic surgeries. Mm-hmm. And it just drives me crazy. <laughs> Especially if you're, like, the average person. Yeah. You know, you have, like, I don't know, 500 followers. No one knows who the fuck you are. And you're lying about your surgeries. Like, you know, for example, like, say you clearly have a nose job and you're posting, like, a selfie being, like, thanks, mom, for the great nose. Like, yeah. you know, like, I'm so lucky to have this Greek nose or whatever the fuck you're saying and you've, like, got it done three yeah. times. Um, my girlfriend sent me sent me some posts of, like, these girls she knows that are just posting, like, bragging about their clearly plastic surgery enhanced bodies and, and being, like, oh, like, you know, I'm so lucky to have this physique. And it's, like, why are you lying? Right. And, and we had this discussion. I'm like, I, I understand. Like, natural bodies is still a thing twi- type, type. Yeah. Chat. And it's like, but your body's not natural. You, you paid for that body. Which is, a t- which is fine. Girl, like, my, yeah. I paid for my tits twice. Like, I'm the least, like, judgy person about plastic yeah, surgery. Yeah. To me, if you have the means to do it and you don't like something about your body, fucking do it. Absolutely. Like, that's awesome. But the reason it bothers me is I think it, when you're claiming something that's not natural to be natural, you are... You're feeding into that concept of people that are natural are not good enough, and it, yeah. it gives them this fake, this fake idea of what bodies actually look like. 
you know, as if they could achieve that by going to the gym or dieting or whatever. It's like, no, you, you achieve that by injecting whatever you inject into your body. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I just, I saw like an influx, I've seen an influx lately of this, of people saying my body's natural or like shaming people who do plastic surgery when they themselves have done plastic surgery. Yeah. And I get like, I guess Kylie Jenner, you know, tries to sell this idea of her being natural, which is laughable if you see before and after photos, um, for whatever reason, because, you know, she gets more sponsors or, you know, she's sponsored by back in the day, if you remember this, Kim was sponsored or she had, um, a paid whatever with, um, I think it was Skechers Mm. and the shoes were like claiming to like make your ass bigger by walking in these shoes. Right. So I get like, you're not going to admit that you got plastic surgery, get your ass bigger and you're going to be like, oh, these shoes made my ass bigger. So buy these shoes. Like I get that. Well, I, I like Kylie also has a full cosmetics company, right? So like if you are trying to sell cosmetics and you're like, well, I looked like this and now I look like this because I can contour, right? Totally. It but sells that, a lot better than like, totally. I paid for this face and yeah, I but, slightly enhanced But you don't it. put your makeup on your tits and you don't put your makeup on a fake ass. So like, yeah. what's the excuse there, right? Like, she's always claimed that she doesn't have boob job, doesn't have like a BBL, doesn't have any sculpture injections. Like, Have you heard... Oh yeah, I remember one uh, Kardashian episode. It was like the only one I watched where Kim got her ass uh, x-rayed to, like, prove that she didn't have... I never watched it. I remember this, yeah. like... I remember I feel like I read that in, like, magazines yeah, somewhere. Yeah. Um, but Kylie Jenner, I guess, came out with a swimsuit range that has uh, been absolutely dragged through the mud on people on I TikTok. I did see this. Yes, yes. Because it, the quality is, like, Shein. 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 The brand. The cheap, cheap brand made, like, less see-through and, like, better quality clothing than Kylie Jenner. Insane. Yeah. Yeah, it's wild. I, again, like, obviously I have no problem with plastic surgery. God knows. You know, I've got my tits done several times. I'm very open. I talked on the podcast about my surgeries. I've posted about my surgeries. I have no shame in surgeries. To me, like, why shame someone for wanting to fix something about themselves? And if they have a means to do it, by all means do it. Um, But I just find it weird when people, like, buy a body and then claim they worked for it. It's like, you work for the money, maybe, yeah. unless your boyfriend paid for it for you um, or your partner or whoever. Um, but, like, it's just so weird to me. So, like, y'all, stop being so fucking fake. You paid for the body. You paid for the boobs. You paid for the ass. You paid for that waistline. Like, Just be honest about just it. Just own it. Like, who cares? You, if you look good, you look good. Who cares if yeah. you got it? Like, or don't say anything about it. It's the funniest thing when people like post things and no one asked you. It's not like you're, like I said, like you're not a celebrity denying these claims. You're yeah. just putting it out there. Um, and I was with my girlfriend. I was like, fuck, should I just like post a picture of me in a bikini top? And be like, oh, I'm so lucky so to have such big natural. natural thing to me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine? People so like glad I was born with these like straight ears. Yeah. Streamlined face, you know? <laughs> I'm so glad born these 30 double H's. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Perfect nipples. The wind actually just soars past my ears, you know? Yeah. My ears are for those like that, that For those that are new to the podcast, I had my ears pinned back in, in January. <laughs> Can you imagine? Like, I hear nothing because everything flies. Yeah, past. yeah. <laughs> and we have that opened window in a car, and it's exactly what it sounds like all the time for me. <laughs> it's wild. Um... So yeah, y'all gotta stop lying. You no one's and just more so it's like especially it's all these people are lying that like couldn't get away with it. Yeah. Like their their surgeries are so dramatic that everyone knows you had surgery and those ones that are lying, it's like y'all just embarrassing yourself now. <laughs> like you're all laughable. Yeah. 
And I think, honestly, like, I do think it's more, it, like, on the small scale, you know, you have 500 followers, no one gives a fuck about you, who cares? It's more so embarrassing for you. But when people like Kylie Jenner a lot, yeah. stuff like that, I do think it is problematic for the younger generations who really, truly believe that those those bodies are attainable, that those are the only ideal of beauty, yeah. that if they're not like that, something, something's wrong with them. So I think that's when it gets problematic when people really do who are in the limelight who are in influencing yeah people's opinions about their bodies yeah their own bodies yeah like also be realistic you bought yeah. the body cool you had the money for it awesome you go into a good doctor great proud of you yeah just own it. drop no your doctor's name also yeah link them <laughs> <laughs> i tag mine like both of my tits <laughs> fuck <laughs> but i don't think bitches be everywhere let's be honest uh okay what are my other random musings for this week um, oh, okay, so a listener wrote in, and she's, and we were, we were talking, she posted something about a study on her, on her, on her story, and I responded to her, being that's so interesting, and then she said back, oh, I also read a study which showed that women find men more attractive when they seem to be partnered with women they find attractive, hence why women will, would all of a sudden throw themselves at ex-boyfriends of mine, though they weren't really catches to begin with, and lost interest when I did. But the article references an attractive New York investment banker who gets paid to go on drink cocktails in busy bars with men for $50 an hour so the other one will find him appealing. She worked for some site, and she names the site, and they had really great results. I honestly still think the reason we do it is a downfall of men. Women have to choose other men that other women have already deemed as worthy and safe because so few of them are existing. Interesting. Yeah, I uh, I completely fucking agree, though. Like, think of how much hotter a man appears when he has, like, these hot girls around him. Like, because you automatically have to think, like, what are they seeing in him? Yeah, yeah. Like, that's just how your logically your mind works. Like, I mean, well, us, we see that and we're like, money. Money. This man got deep-ass pockets. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh... Or he knows somebody who knows somebody. Yeah. Yeah, he, uh... He's someone for us to know. But, um... I found it interesting. I found that very, very relatable, very true. And um, I like the little comment she made. It's like, that's why all these bitches be wanting my exes. <laughs> like, I see you. No, not to your attractiveness. I see it. Um, and yeah, it's something I've, I've said many times, that men become more attractive um, on the surface when you see hot girls wind them. And like I think we all say it. Like, when they, like, I don't know, when my ex started dating this new girl, literally... Everyone that saw her message me and was like, yo, he's seeing a Walmart version of you. And, like, it almost was, like, offensive to me mm-hmm. that he dated a less attractive... Like, a downgrade. Yeah. Like, whether, you know, whether that's a reality or not, like, that's how a lot of people perceived it. But it was, like, that that's a, the common knowledge was, like, oh, like, it's insulting to me. Like, yeah. I almost wanted him to date a hotter girl. Because it's, right. like, at least, like, I'm in the same ranks of of hot girls. I don't know if that's how, like, you would feel if, like, you know, you and your partner broke up and he dated, like, a, a less attractive girl. I would, I think I'd feel a little bit silly for dating them. Right? Like, that <laughs> was just like, ooh, was like, he, like, he was he a level five? Like, yeah. when I was level ten and I should never even, like, when I did him a favor? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Like, it's, it's a weird kind of, like, social, um... Measurement. Yeah, hierarchy of, like, yeah. attractiveness. I mean, attractiveness is obviously relative, like, let's yeah. be honest, but... Definitely subjective. Yeah, but, like, this, yeah, it's, I definitely think there's a psychology behind it of, um, of attractive people 
noting who other attractive people flock to and then also flocking to them as well. Yeah. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah, I'm gonna actually have a, like, you know that, like, the trope in movies where, uh, it's this one particular movie that I'm thinking of and I can't remember, but it's, like, the same idea that, like, when women surround themselves with, like, quote-unquote, uglier friends to make themselves appear oh yeah yeah and he's like show is that yeah he's got his hands up and he's like oh that's a 10 and then he like covers up the other girl and and she's like a four yeah Yeah. what show is that i I shallow howl or something no i i've never seen that so it couldn't be yeah i do remember that where he's like like, oh she's not actually that hot like when you take away all the ugly friends she's actually yeah yeah, i'm gonna start doing that to guys like if a girl is with him i'm gonna just be like if she wasn't there would she actually like block her out of my sight yeah (laughs) if the hot girl was there would the guy be attractive yeah god men are so lucky we're around oh it's making them all look so much hotter (laughs) uh okay so today we're also reviewing the Chemistry Between Us, which is a book that was actually suggested by a listener, Miss Alana, I believe. I believe she's the one that mm. suggested to me because she mentioned about uh, a part of it about strippers. And she's like, I, I read this book recently and talked about strippers and, and working on your, um, with your estrogen and your, um, and being um, astral. Your estrus. Yeah. And uh, and I was like, fuck, this sounds extremely like what I yeah. majored in and what I have, when I got my, doc- my doctorate in, um, human psychology and, and specifically sexual psychology. So I was like, you know what, Riley, we're listening to a fucking book. I'm happy to go to school. <laughs> you have more time to study what I want you to study now. <laughs> You're like, I fucking hate you. I hear my... My very brief overall notes about the book before I get in. I think that it was, it was obviously very well researched as someone who enjoys academic. I do enjoy trials and studies and the causation and correlation between things. And I think it did a really good job of explaining that. I did find that sometimes it got a little bit too in-depth in the nitty and gritty of the biology, which I guess can kind of be expected by that sort of book. But I found myself, it was difficult to motivate myself to listen to the audiobook. And I found it difficult to like it to really hold my attention when I was doing other things like driving and stuff because it would start using all these like you know if you have no sense of biology it's going to be a difficult listen I think um I think that it would be an incredible documentary and like a Netflix explained planet earth styled thing I think with the visual aids it would have been much more gripping I fucking loved it. Yeah. <laughs> but it is literally exactly why what I paid tens of thousands of dollars to study. Like, if, if this specifically had been a course in university, I would have lost my fucking mind. I, I loved it. I replayed pretty much every two seconds of it. I made my mom listen to it. I We had such a good laugh about the, um, the voles when they were like... <laughs> I don't know if you can listen to this part, because I know you kind of probably skipped a lot of it. But I didn't the part, skip any of it. You did not finish it. <laughs> I didn't finish it. I found but the it part very where, like, the voles were, like, the divorce voles. <laughs> they were singing to, it was, like, the study of, like, when they put voles in water, and, like, divorced, divorced voles, 
like didn't bother to like try to save themselves. They just like kind of backstroke to make it. He's like, you can almost hear the song singing, you know, sunshine when she's gone. <laughs> and we, he's like in their little bull voices. <laughs> Me and my mom laughed so hard. There were a lot of funny fucking parts of this. The the author had a lot of good quips, um, especially if you do like psychology and you like studies. And you like that, like, weird, dorky sense of humor. Yes. I there were loved a, it. There were a lot of good uh, examples, both theoretical examples and also, Practical. like, yeah. yeah, antidotes from people that were obviously um, interviewed for the studies or for the book. Yeah. If you have an analytical mind or you like psychology, I would, I personally would a thousand and ten percent. Uh, recommend this book. I fucking loved it. I was like thoroughly enjoying every minute of it. Um, but it's also exactly it's what I specialize yeah. in. It's it's exactly my interest. But I have a lot of notes, and I was going through them the other day because I listen to Audible book, and then I bookmark as I go through, and then I go back over my bookmarks and I take notes on them. And I like was like two hours into like typing out my bookmark notes, and I was like, okay, this is gonna be like a ten hour. Review. No one wants to. And and as you said, my reviews are like reviews on crack. Um, I'm very thorough, but okay. So I tried to minimize. What is it a review, or are you just paraphrasing the the entire book? Yes, but it's such a good book. I think y'all need to be paraphrased. So, um, there's a part like very close to the beginning. They they quoted Simone de Beauvoir, and her quote is: "One is not born a woman; one becomes one." And She's referencing that women have gender-based behavior thrust upon them by the patriarchy, which I thought was a very interesting take on it. And then, um, you must have thought this was interesting. Um, then, the, I'm going to say it wrong, the Macha Humbra mm-hmm. in Dominican Republic. Do you remember this part? The pseudo, the pseudo men. The yeah, so they found that at, so they would have, um, individuals born with female genitalia or what looks like female yeah. genitalia and they found the eight, that at the onset of puberty that the females would turn to males by growing penises and they discovered they were actually pseudo-homaphrodites and that the private parts were simply waiting for the cue to develop which they didn't receive in the womb um, and then there was kind of some talk of like well is this an example of nurture versus nature and now that we're seeing them switch into in quotes the males and they're kind of taking on these male roles as soon as their penis developed is that yeah so so to explain it a little bit more these uh pseudo hermaphrodites would grow up very much as uh you know uh stereotypical females so they would be you know they would wear dresses and they would take on a, a stereotypical female role they were interested in things that women would be interested in as kids if you wanted to kind of follow down that road and then after puberty they sort of like switched their uh habits and became like started engaging in more masculine or like classic male um behaviors and sports after this male genitalia you know showed exactly it so the point was like well is gender a sort of learnt behavior that can be switched or altered, or is it, yeah, as you said, a nature versus nurture. Yeah, and and they made an important comment. They said, you know, of course, you know, they're they're happy to take on the new male identity because the society, first off, is already now treating them as males, mm-hmm. and also because in their tribe or whatever you want to call it, um, 
they had more freedoms as men. Yes. So of course, they're going to be like, sweet, now I can be a man, now I can go play run, things, I don't have to, run around you know, and, yeah. yeah, I can do all these fun things. That was a really interesting, um, interesting uh, case study on, mm-hmm. on, on that. That was very interesting to me. And then another one was um, the Canadian twins, Bruce and Brian. I learned about them in sociology, actually. Yeah. Uh, do you want to recap this one for them? Yes. So uh, Bruce and Brian were uh, twins born in Canada. And during the circumcision of both the twins, one of the twins, um, his... <clears throat> Pardon me. His genitalia was so badly mutilated that it was beyond repair. And the doctors, uh, one specialized in sort of a nature versus nurture uh, gender studies at the time, suggested that they um, raise the child whose penis was essentially cut off um, as a woman and and never told them that they were actually a woman and eventually, I'm pretty sure eventually, they sort of felt like they didn't belong in the woman's body and, and transitioned to then, I guess, a transgender male, um, but eventually committed suicide after sort of finding everything out and, and not being able to, like, identify with their own body. Yeah, yeah. It's actually a really, a really tragic story. Yeah, Bruce and Brenda. Bruce, well, that's what they call them. Mm-hmm. Well, it's Bruce and Brian originally. Um, yeah, like you said, they, they had the cast, um, when they, uh, were having a circumcision, Bruce was the one who was mutilated and then they decided the gentleman who was kind of already in the study of nurture versus nature was like, Oh, this is a perfect chance for me to swoop in here and, and see if this works. And, uh, he recommended that Bruce be fully castrated and then have estrogen pumped into him at that early age. So then they started raising Bruce, now Brenda, as an, in quotes, female, and um, would, you know, have him play with, in quotes, female toys and um, and all that. And they believed at first that it really confirmed the society, the society determines feminine masculine behavior yeah. because they believed that, you know, society was now imposing on Bruce slash Brenda as being a female and thus he is now female. Um, but like you said, you know, he never felt like that was the right body or identity for him. And they said that even when he was younger, he would want to play with his brother's toys. He would want to, you know, save up money so he didn't have to play with dolls. He could go buy trucks and, and, and what we call like, you know, male toys or whatever. And, um, as an adult, he eventually ended up changing his name to another, a male name and then he began to tra- make a transition into being a male, mm-hmm. physically and socially. And then, yeah, sadly, he um, couldn't find peace in his journey. And he um, ultimately, yeah, committed suicide, which is really fucking sad. But, like, they pretty much just kind of played played God with this, like, yeah. this, this person. But, um, yeah, it was a very interesting case study. Go Canadians. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there's actually a really good documentary on it if you want to watch it. Mm. And I cannot remember what it's called, but I will try and remember to link it. Mm, yeah. Um, so some other some other interesting takeaways. When researchers gave female rodents that were pregnant testosterone, their female offer, offsprings exhibited ambiguous genitalia and demonstrated more male behaviors. I found it really interesting. They did, obviously, a lot of this is with animal testing because you know as we see with 
Bruce and Brian, you know, tragic things happen when you test with humans. So they've a lot of these tests are done with voles and rats from this from this book. Um, they also gave pregnant monkeys testosterone in two different windows they realized were, would result in different un- outcomes. So testosterone given early in a pregnancy resulted in female offspring with ambiguous male genitalia but female personality traits. Testosterone given later in pregnancy resulted in female offspring with female genitalia but male personality traits. So that found that very interesting when, when testosterone was injected, determined if it was going to represent itself in the phys- physical aspect yeah. or in the personality aspect, which I, I found. I was like, ooh. <laughs> I, that was like something where I was like, you know, like, oh my God, write this down. Again, I'm sure to like the average person, none of this is interesting, but to me, this was like, so... I thought this was a stripper podcast. Yeah. No. I found it so fucking interesting. Um... Uh, I'll, I'll skip through a bunch because I know it's not interesting to anyone else. One thing that's interesting is the female spotted hyena is one of the most, one of the rare animals where the female is more dominant and aggressive. The females rule through intimidation and in short, female spotted hyenas behave like male lions. Female spotted hyenas have such large clitorises or clitorises is that they look like penises. Yeah. And they are exposed to large amounts of androgen during development. Um... What do you think that means for birth? Say again? What do you think that means for, like, the birth of hyenas? Yeah, did you hear this part about the... I, I, I mean, I know about it. I know about it from not before, like, before this book. Right, so yeah, like, a lot of their babies uh, suffocate because it comes up through clitoris. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, so... It's basically, so, like, giving birth out of a penis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they don't have, like, a vaginal opening that would typically birth. Um, the offspring, so they birth through the clitoral, I guess, hole. Yeah. Um, so, obviously, if the clitoral, clitoris isn't large or elongated, um, it's, all, yeah, it's like you said, like, birthing through a penis. So, the... It's terrible for everybody involved. Yeah, everyone really. involved. No, no happy parties. So, I'm, I assume it's excruciatingly painful. I'm sure birth in general is. <laughs> right now, but, like, now let's elongate through yeah, a penis. Yeah. And then also, a lot of the offspring suffocate because they have such a, like, a long tubular thing to go through. Uh, very Which is quite crazy because you would think that if you can survive inside a body for, I'm not sure how long the the pregnancy is for a hyena, but like isn't that what essentially an umbilical cord is? Because yeah, it's not like a bitch. <laughs> yeah, for fuck's sake. Just make it through the hole, goddamn. Um, another thing they talked about was if Sexuality is determined by so uh, socializing, or if it's it's an innate thing. Um, oh, it's it's determined by sin. By sin. <laughs> <laughs> She's joking. Um, so they had a controversial conclusion that the brains of homosexual homosexuals <laughs> homosexuals Not are <laughs> that they're different, um, and they aren't different because they're homosexual. They're homosexual because their brains are different. Um, so they say the differences are caused by exposure of time and with certain hormones. Transgender brains have also been shown to have difference in certain structures, such as the BNST, which is the key player in masculine sexual behavior. They also, in studies, found the BNST of male to female transsexuals was the same size as those in women, and the INAH was also female in size, which I found very interesting, mm-hmm. um, if you could break down what that actually means. So what I'm hearing is you cannot pray the gay away. I suppose not, as mm-hmm. much as the churches wish. 
they also talk about gender identity and sexual orientation are both determined by the interaction between sex hormones and the developing brain. The hormonal interact, um, the hormonal actions that develop the orientation of our genitals occurs early in pregnancy, and the hormonal actions that shape our brains determine later in pregnancy. In other words, the penis does not make the man, and the vagina does not make the woman. Which I mean, I think we all know, but it's nice to see it in like actual scientific mm-hmm. facts because um, it just further points to the idea that you know. Uh, sexual identity is not a choice. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was, it was nice to see that in, you know, laid out scientific studies. Uh, they also talked about reduction of testosterone in men and what can cause that along with ca- uh, castration. The smelling of his own infant uh, can cause lower testosterone, which I found really interesting. It can happen within 20 minutes of smelling the scent. Mm-hmm. Uh, losing a sports match, watching a team he roots for lose a sports match, driving an old clunky family car, being married for a long time, getting fired from a job, and aging. So that was that was interesting. And then we got into the chapter about ovulation, which is the part that we actually originally came here for. And they found that during ovulation, women are hornier, prefer porn more, and prefer rugged men more than the pleasant-looking nice man, and fantasize more about having sex with someone who is not their current partner, because when women are at estros, or when they're ovulating, they are more focused on mating. No matter how nice of a guy you are, at their most fertile moments, women appreciate winner types. Yeah, so there's another part of that where it says, you know, when they watch fish specifically female fish, when she watched her favorite mate have a fight and win, the area in her brain responsible for female sexual behavior was activated. But when he lost the fight, she showed anxiety. So in human terms, she was worried that she had picked a loser boyfriend to be the father of her babies, which I found very interesting. Um, They also mentioned that the guy you're most likely to pick mid-cycle is not most likely the guy to raise your children, it's rare to let the same guy across your entire cycle, um, which I found very fascinating. But that part about um, women appreciate winner types, I think, like, when I tell people, you know, I like a man who is super successful at work, who makes a lot of money, and they're like, oh, you're a materialistic. It's like, no, that's literally the innate... And I, I say this, like, that's... that's At the end of the day, you strip everything away, that's what people want. They want someone who's going to fucking win at life. They want someone who's going to win for their children, who's going to make a good life for them and their offspring. Like... We're, at the end of the day, we're all animals, let's be honest. And, mm-hmm. like, that is at the bare bones of it. I mean, it doesn't sound very romantic, but that's what people want. Wait, wait what's your thoughts? You look very pensive. I'm <laughs> just tired. Yeah. No, no, no. I, you know, if anything, marriage at its very core was an economic um proposition which it goes into in part three Mm. but no I I completely agree and it's it's you know there is biological reasons why women want men who are successful and there's biological reasons why guys get more jealous and like territorial and aggressive like it's just biology but what I was going to say about the estrus is that women if you're if you're a stripper actually make more money when they are ovulating than when they're on their periods or not. Is that right? Yes. When you're ovulating, yeah. When you're ovulating. And uh, women who are on the pill 
make uh, less on average. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, the pill equals less money um, in estrus or when you're ovulating, you make the most money. Um, menstruation apparently cuts your earnings in half. And kind of the, when, what some of the reasoning behind it is that during estrus or ovulation, um, you have a more attractive voice, your quality of skin is better, you're more confident and you move more seductively, you have an uh, increased hip-to-waist ratio, you have a certain speed, you have a certain spent a scent that spikes male testosterone. Mm-hmm. All very interesting. Like that's yeah. wild. That just you in that part of your uh, part of your uh, cycle has I actual impact. I would be so interested. It's so difficult because everything in a strip club is it, there's just so many variables. Mm, yeah. But I would be so interested. And we talked about this too. Is like. I wish that we could just be put in other people's bodies to see if it's our selling techniques that do the thing or... Or it's just these big old bitties. Big old bitties. <laughs> but, you know, like, it's so... There's so many variables in sex work and in a strip club and in life, really, that it does make me curious what small thing could have changed the outcome or... Or anything like that. So it would be really awesome to be able to replay an entire week, like on when you're on your period and when you're on. Uh, when you you're get all the same clients. Exactly. That's the entire exactly week. it. Yeah. To like have a proper like super controlled study trial. Yeah, it'd be very interesting. Then uh, another interesting they talked about in the book about ovulation was that it doesn't only impact the female partner in a heterosexual relationship; it impacts the woman as well, and or the man as well, and that. When women are ovulating, their male partner demonstrates more, in quotes, mate-guarding behavior, wants to be around them more, interrogates their female partner more, and compliments their female partner more. Interesting. Yeah, super interesting how, like... Michael. <laughs> he's guarding you. It's, yeah, it's very fascinating stuff. Uh, in Chapter 4, I believe it is, they talk about sex addiction, and they make a claim that says sex addiction, sex addiction doesn't exist, and it's actually obsessive-compulsive disorder. The man who masturbates an orgasm five times a day is actually fixated on getting the five times achieved. I, I don't feel like I can speak on that. I, yeah. I, uh, Very I interesting. We have a, uh, a self-proclaimed sex addict coming on the podcast in future episodes so it'll be something i think we should bring up with him but yeah that that it'll be interesting to discuss they talk about fetish theory as well in this part of the book which is something that i find extremely fascinating um and this part i'm actually gonna i'm gonna quote from the books i find it i find it very well worded here our brains are wired to pursue pleasure and on its many popular scandals have shown our logical rationalizations are not always enough to keep us out of trouble when scientists wired rodent brains to provide a pleasurable stimulus on the press lever and left them to their own devices, the rats would continually and constantly press the lever, ignoring food, sleep, and water until they died. Given full power over their reward systems, they literally pleasured themselves to death. What's more, the consummatory... Wow. Consummatory <laughs> reward of orgasm is powerful enough to actually rewire our brains. With enough association of cues and reward, you can alter synaptic connection like Pavlov's dog. This is how we develop, quote, 
a type when dating or with more specific circumstances a fetish? Interesting. Yes. I'm going to quote a little bit more because I talk about a study here. A study by Jim Faust uh, tested this fetish hypothesis. Rats have an innate intense aversion to the smell of death and will go to any means, including crossing electrified grids, to get away from the smell. Foss exposed virgin male rats to an estrus, so a woman, uh, a female in... Um, in heat. In heat, yeah. Who had been painted with the smell of death. Multiple attempts were needed before they were willing to mount, despite the seductive mounting behaviors exhibited by the female. Here's where it gets crazy. Faust later placed the naturally polygamous male rats among other naturally and artificially scented estrus females, and the males preferred the death-scented rats. In fact, some rats refused to mate with any female who smelled of anything other than death. Faust had instilled a death-smell fetish in the virgin rats. Faust also did further studies placing rats in tiny rat jackets for their first copulation, thereby establishing a jacket fetish, and found that some of these rats were bereft of their jackets, would refuse mating entirely. Even those who did proceed with the mating process weren't free with the influence of the fetish. Many couldn't get an erection without their jacket, and even for those who could, the sex act took much longer, and, in quotes, the female really had to work for it. That's very interesting. Like, I find fetish theory extremely yeah. interesting. Um, and we've talked about it a few times briefly on the podcast, like, sort of where it stems from and, and where, like, how it begins, I guess. Yeah. A jacket fetish. A jacket. Death smell and jacket fetish. Yeah. They also talk about child rearing in this book, which another I, I find um I find that fascinating how much our parents can real fuck us up. <laughs> so they claim that women that breastfed, their brains reacted stronger to their own baby's cries as opposed to a stranger baby's cry. But women who did not breastfeed reacted the same to both babies crying. The same result happened with C-section women, and they had level, higher level of depression. And this led them to believe that stimulation of the breast through uh, breastfeeding and the cervix through vaginal birth are important for mother-child bonding, which, which I found very interesting. They also talked a lot about low lick and grooming um, rats. And they compared that to children who had um, low kind of nurturing parents. And they were often resulting in children who lacked empathy or apathy. And with their daughters, they often had more sexual partners, began having sex sooner. And they began menstruating sooner than their peers. And they weren't as picky with their partner, which, which is very interesting find. And then another thing I think we have talked about a lot is that as far as the female brain is concerned, they claim that the male lovers and partners are pretty much babies. And they studies have shown that some the same chemicals that encourage maternal behavior towards one's young, so oxytocin and dopamine, are also necessary for the bonding to a romantic partner and are both released during sex. So as I always say, men go from their mom's teeth to their wife's teeth. <laughs> like, it's so fucking true. And the fact that those same uh, chemicals are literally byproduct of sex. Another thing to talk about is does size matter of the male penis? And yes, it does. Um, so in quotes on page 150, Larry believes the human penis has evolved as a tool to stimulate the vagina and cervix to oxytocin it is released into a woman's brain. 
The bigger the penis, the more effective it is at triggering an oxytocin surge during intercourse. Surges of oxytocin help ease any apprehension or anxiety a woman may have, making her open to her lover's emotional and social cues. Also, a study conducted by Stuart Brody of the University of West Scotland has indicated that as fun as they are, neither oral sex nor masturbation nor any other form of sexual activity gives women the feeling of overall relationship satisfaction, including feeling close to their partners, than penile vaginal sex creates. Which is super interesting that, you know, all that oral sex your man's demanding does not bring you closer. It's just penis in, P in the V sex is what actually releases the oxytocin and brings you closer together. What do you think that means for uh, lesbian couples? We close as fuck. (laughs) (laughs) All the scissoring. Yeah, it's it's interesting. They didn't really talk about uh, how, um, you know, outside of heterosexual relationships, how that what's released and, and what, how the chemicals are released. Yeah, I mean, I, I must say, I think it was written in 2012. Twelve. Um, <laughs> <and> Twelve. <laughs> 2012. This book is good. It is not very inclusive. It definitely speaks very, like, female or male based on your uh, gender, not gender identity or, like, sex. Um, and it's, yeah, it doesn't move very far out of uh, heteronormativity. Mm, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, it's one book, right? Like you can only cover no, exactly. so much, and and they really do like. I I don't know if there's a better way of doing it, but, um, person with a uterus or person with X Y chromosomes like would be I think very difficult to do in this book because it is so sex based. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a million more things I could talk about this book about because I literally found like every study fascinating, every finding fascinating, but um. They kind of, their last little bit is about why why people cheat. Um, and, you know, in quote, they say, the true answer to the question of whether humans are designed to be sexually monogamous seems to be, it depends. Some are, others may not so much. Sexual desire and frequency ties off in long, or dies off in long-term relationships, and, but spikes with a new partner, which, you know, we can all attest to in the, in the strip club, I think. Mm. <laughs> and then... Uh, last quote here. Married men have significantly lower testosterone than single men, just like the marmosites. They have higher estrogen and lower stress hormones. They are bonded and settled. They give back rubs that are just back rubs. Living with somebody for a long time diminishes their interest in having sex with that person. It's sad, but true. So, as if we didn't already know that, the most men in the club are, are married men, and they're excited to see a new vagina and la-di-da. But, yeah, the, I found this book had a lot of very interesting takeaways, especially how it, how, um, you know, how it related to strippers and, you know, in estros and being, you know, um, ovulating, how that much that impacted your income, how much the pill impacted your income. Yeah, fascinating stuff. Definitely, definitely, definitely recommend this book it's called the chemistry between us um i really enjoyed it on audible i had it at 1.8 i think so it was like speed up like mouse sound pretty much but i really enjoyed it so definitely recommend you guys checking out i won't i won't review it anymore because at this point i'm just paraphrasing literally everything they told us but go check it out okay am i the asshole we had a couple of these from last week the first one was, am I the asshole for offering a stripper a job? Do you want to do a little recap of yes, what that is? Yes, let me remember this. Okay, so uh, a guy was at a strip club. Um, 
and was hanging out with a lady who mentioned her kid at one point and he felt so bad that a single mother was working at a, a strip club and ha- that was so terrible and how could that be so so he offered her a job and she was offended by that proposition as as his assistant i think yeah so with regards to this one 60% said the guy was the asshole 40% said no he wasn't and then the write in the written in responses were Don't assume that she has to work there. Maybe she enjoys her job and the money she makes. Nobody wants a handout, much less one that you're only giving because you feel sorry for them. Next one. Just because you feel bad for a sex worker does not mean she needs rescuing. I'm so over people, mostly men, assuming we want to escape the industry. Neither is an asshole in my opinion. He made what he thought was an innocent offer based on lack of knowledge of sex work, as evident is by this being his first time. She was annoyed by his 1,000th offer from Captain Savaho seems like more of an unfortunate misunderstanding. This one is dicey because he was an ass, but he didn't mean to be and clearly didn't understand why he was. Another person, ugh, Captain Savaho. Like if she had said she wanted another job, not an issue, but assuming poor single mom must need my help, yep, he's an asshole. Feeling sorry for women and offering to rescue her is so condescending especially if you enjoy the service they're providing you i love this but there's no way you could let me save you last few here i truly don't think he was being an asshole of course it's never cool to assume that a person feels degraded by being a dancer but it generally sounds like he really didn't understand the environment and he offered her a pretty good job that if she wasn't interested in she could have respectfully declined and explained to him that she enjoyed doing her work and dancing also she already got paid and didn't even have to dance so that's also a plus she's kind of overreacted Last one here, the job he offered her probably made less money than she does at the club with long work hours and less flexibility. Strippers can usually take off time for mental health, etc. Literally any reason. Other jobs don't allow that. And the last one here, love how they all think 40000 a year would be nice for us. Sir, please. <laughs> Very true. Yeah. <laughs> the next, am I the asshole for telling my sister's stripper past to her fiancé? Do you want to explain this one to them? Oh my god, Okay. There was a uh, two sisters, and they were basically having a pissing contest um, of who had slept with the most guys. In the way that it was like one of the the sister who used to be a stripper was now sort of a born again Christian type thing, and um, made a snarky reco- a comment to the other sister about how how many guys she had dated in sort of a lock and key metaphor. And then so the younger sister turned around and made a quip about how she used to be a stripper. The fiancé who was over at the time didn't know, and the wedding was broken off. So the responses to this one are as follows. 28% said, yes, you're an asshole. 72% said, no, you're an asshole. They said, such a tough one. She should have pulled her sister to the side and had a conversation to draw boundaries. Can't say I would have done that if I was heated and being publicly ally shamed, though. No, because she was lying to her fiancé. They're not looking at that part, though. Just want to blame her for messing up their money. She's not an asshole per se. Yes, if she was planning to marry him soon, she should have told him blah, blah, blah. But was the goal of the statement not to be just an asshole and shut her up? 
This is so fucking funny, and I don't know why. Talk shit, get hit, it's my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> They're both assholes. Rule number one of sex workers not to out someone else. Ugh, tough call. Outing in sex workers is never okay, but their former sex worker is being a real turd about it, so I'd say 50-50. There's a diff- big difference between outing a sex worker and saying someone has slept around. Yeah, that was kind of the point that we brought up, was that, like, what what is the correlation between the fact that you used to be a stripper and the fact that you'd slept with many men while that was your job? Yeah, those don't really, yeah, yeah they're not parallel. This one is so interesting. Initially, I want to say outing a sex worker equals drawing and quartered and never thought of again. However, if your sister is actually hiding a whole part of her life from the person she's going to marry, it's a big yikes. Like, if the family knows you're a sex worker, then I'd say it's a safe assumption that the fiancé knew it as well. The author helped the sister dodge a bullet. Even though their relationship might be trash from now on, their engagement couldn't withstand a truthful thing from the past. It saved them a lot of divorce, lawyer fees later on. The sister is the asshole, not the author. This one's hard. On one hand, like, outing someone is an asshole move, but, like, also your sister was being an asshole, too. I don't know. I think it depends if she knew the husband was conservative or not. But in saying that, probably better for the sister she doesn't marry someone who doesn't respect sex workers. Man, that's messy, lol. (laughs) Who the fuck wants to marry some conservative loser who can't handle your previous jobs and careers? Legit, she was doing her sister a fucking favor. He would have found out eventually. Last one, very prophetic. Fear can't lead in a relationship. Love and trust must be the foundation in which the relationship is built. Sharing your background may be scary, but if he leaves the relationship, then he wasn't secure enough in the relationship to begin with. Last one here. Am I the asshole for listening to my husband and not going to my daughter's wedding? Do I recap this one for them? Oh, this one's a little trickier, I think. Um, daughter who is um, part of the LGBTQ is marrying someone who used to be a stripper or who is a stripper who is very open about it on social media. Um, the daughter's stepdad, his work as a lawyer or something is very much client-based and they're worried about the backlash. So the mum decided to not go to the wedding to sort of like stand by the stepdad slash husband but it also sounded like that maybe they were invited a week before the wedding like it was a last minute invite that one was a little bit messy I would suggest uh, going back and, and listening to that one um also the whole kept woman part oh yeah <laughs> where she was like people are telling her telling us she's a kept woman but she's the, the mom saying it, her husband is like 30 years older. She's never worked a day in her life since marrying him. Yeah, very, uh, yeah, it was, it was a whole messy, messy thing. But that being said, we still broke it down. And I believe it was, let me pull this up here. 93% said, yes, this mom's a fucking asshole. 7% said no. And... Y'all didn't feel like you really need to explain yourself. One said she chose a man over her, a man over her child, and I said, "Yo, that's your daughter, bro." Then another one said the fact that your mom didn't prioritize her biological daughter pisses me off. For some old dusty man who partners all have or used to frequent strip clubs is why the mom is dumb as fuck. Then I said marriage is a form of sex work. The mother doesn't work and is thirty nine. Her husband is seventy. Sounds like she's a kept woman too. And then that last one here, you can always get a new husband, which. Yes, <laughs> facts. Okay, y'all, we are tired. We just worked many, many hours. 
Riley is pretty much falling asleep <laughs> on me. I'm doing this show alone at this point. So before we let you go, in honor of next week's episode, who we have Riley's friend coming on who did The Bachelor of New Zealand. Yes. We have some um, Would You Rathers, which are um, Bachelor related. So the first one is, would you rather cry off your fake eyelashes or have a splotchy spray tan? Cry off my fake eyelashes. Really? I would 100% have a rather have a splotchy spray tan. You do, always. I know, so I'm just natural. <laughs> <laughs> my, lashes, my lashes be fucking mint. Oh, yo. <laughs> I don't know. You can glue those back in pretty quick, though. Mm, yeah. 86% said lashes, 14% said spray tan. Would you rather be picked to go on a date or pick someone else to go on a date with you? Picked to go on a date. I like validation. I would rather be picked on the date because at least I know I'm going to go with someone I like. Uh, 61% said they'd rather be picked. 39% said they'd rather pick the person. Would you rather not get a rose week one or get dumped right at the end? I think this, like, really depends on why you're going in the show. Probably not get a rose. Save you some time, you know. I'd rather get dumped at the end, because at least you get your fucking... 20 your, minutes of fame. You know, I'm not. Like, you get so much money from Instagram when you get all these followers, yeah. and that's, like, 100% when most people go on there is to get, like, money through sponsors and shit. Uh, 47% said the rose week one. 53% said at the end. So... Next week, we have Shivani on, who is such a fucking sweetheart. She was a Bachelor contestant um, for New Zealand. Yes. She's one of your little friends is. And she will be on next episode, so you guys can look forward to that. We had a blast talking to her and getting the kind of the behind-the-scenes scoop on how Bachelor actually works, which I learned a lot because I've never really watched Bachelor. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, super interesting. Before we let you go, Riley, where can we find you? You can find me napping in my bed. <laughs> that girl, I'm going straight the fuck to bed. Yeah, you can find me at uh, underscore Riley Divine. Sounds look, right. I don't know. That sounds look, right. I don't know. <laughs> oh, look it up. Google it. And you can find me on Instagram at 50plusatip or email at 50plusatip at gmail.com. DM us with how you guys think we should start calling our listeners. I, we're, you know, we're throwing out guys. We're not, we, I never really do that anyways, but lovely doesn't that sound right. I want something that's My like, dudes. <laughs> yeah, something that's curtailed to stripper, uh, sex worker, ethical slut, whore kind of concept. So and if you guys, open-minded hoes. Yes, yeah, open-minded whores, yeah. <laughs> so if you guys can think of something for that, throw it, throw it our way. I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing them. If you guys have any more questions, I know we didn't get to your questions today, but to be honest, my throat's fucking shot shit right now. And I'm, I'm fucking useless. And I'm literally episode. doing my own show right now because Riley's literally napping. I'm like nudging her to wake up <laughs> my station. I'm like, respond just, to me. You were, you were telling me the stories about the, <laughs> about the biology. The chemicals. <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, we will get to all your questions next week, I promise, when Riley's awake and my throat's not bad. So on that note, I'm going to go take my Neocitrin and I'm going to get my asked to bed I'm gonna kick Riley the fuck out of my house yeah <laughs> wish me luck driving home you'll get Texas letting us know you get home saying yeah <laughs> awesome thank you so much for listening have a wonderful week and happy whoring bye good night good night <laughs> <laughs>